Hi, I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. And this week, we're going back to Voices 2018, where we have conversations on how fashion is shaping the wider world. Bethann Hardison is sometimes called fashion's fairy godmother. Bethann helped guide the careers of the industry's most prominent models of color. In 1988, she founded a watchdog, charity, and networking group of models called the Black Girls Coalition. And in 2013, she founded Balanced Diversity, promoting racial consciousness in the fashion industry, which helped change conventional notions of beauty. In September, as we waited for the Marc Jacobs show to start, Bethann motioned to me from across the runway that she wanted to have a chat. And some of you may remember that there was plenty of time to chat that day, as the show started an hour and a half late. Bethann told me about a new project she was conjuring up with the CFDA to support young fashion designers. And for her talk at Voices, she invited a few of her closest designer friends to join us and talk about their personal journeys in the American fashion industry. So Bethann also spoke with Kirby John Raymond, who was named winner of the 2018 CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, Laquan Smith, who has dressed Beyonce, Brianna, and Lady Gaga, as well as Patrick Robinson, former executive vice president of design for The Gap, who were all in conversation with our esteemed editor-at-large, Tim Blanks. So here's American Fashion on the Cusp of Change at Voices 2018. Our subject is American Fashion on the Cusp of Change. Uh, equally representative, these, all of these uh, people here are representative of this cusp. But I thought I'd ask Beth Ann uh, right off the top to, to actually see what she thinks the cusp of change is, what she thinks this change that we are about to, that we are experiencing is. Well, for me, um, it's interesting because I'm getting to see, I grew up in the garment district as a kid, and that was one of my first jobs. I worked in it for many years. And what recently happened to me is seeing and discovering some designers who were actually doing something a little different than the system. The system that we always knew as a fashion designers or fashion apparel manufacturers had seemed to change a bit, that they were finding another way to get through the system. In other words, they weren't doing, they weren't gonna be bought by a luxury brand. They didn't have a godfather who comes in and just gives them money and says, go do your thing like we used to have back in the day. Um, they were doing something a little different. It was just interesting to me that some of them were boys, men. I call everybody a boy, I'm older. <laughs> Young men of color. That was interesting to me too because oftentimes people say, where is the black designer? Or, you know, and that really annoys me because they exist. You may not be famous, you may not have the big, biggest business at this point, but the point of it is they exist and they're doing things a little different and they're being faced with things that would make them have to do it a little different. Well, I, I wanted to start with Kirby because as Imran said, he just won the CFDA Fashion Fund, which means you're kind of emblematic of this change in the industry. What, what's your take on it? I mean, what has what is that, that taken to happen? What, what, did, what have you done, do you think, to make that difference? All of a sudden, everyone wants me to go first. Uh, um, you, you know, uh, I had this conversation the other day. I, I, I did my last interview um, I, for a while the other day, and I kind of let it all out. Um, one of the things that we talked about is this, like, the, these two industries. It's like this, this parallel industry that, that 
that exist from the fashion industry that you may know, right? Like I, was, I told you earlier that I was going through your pictures and um, th at the same time there was a parallel industry happening where you know, the American designers might have been Donna Karen, Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, but then there was a, there was a black fashion industry that was happening. Um, and uh, that consisted of Carl Kanai, uh, Cross Colors, FUBU, Rockaware, yep. Meskeen, all of these, all, and uh, what it was is we weren't represented in, on one side and we kind of created our own lane somewhere else. So we had, we had a place to be recognized and a place to be um, seen and a place to be heard, but for whatever reason, it, uh, it, it just never crossed. And I think what's happening now is that we, aren't we haven't changed how we design and how we communicate or we've just now starting to be accepted. And like this white establishment is now starting to understand that there's this whole other thing that's that's, uh, that, that existed and thrived without them. You know, uh, Cross Colors in the 90s was a $280 million a year business. Um, FUBU was half a, million, half a billion dollar a year business. Um, but for whatever reason, wasn't in vogue, wasn't in uh, glamour, but it was in um, Word Up and source and all these different things and now you got these worlds that are crossing and you have people in the white establishment who will try to label it or try to box it in, call it streetwear, call it, call it whatever the fuck they want to call it, but uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be labeled, it's just, now it's just all merging in, you know, we were, we were, the, we were the diffusion of the fashion industry for a long time and now we're, we're mainstream. What do you think has brought about that change in attitude, though? I think, you know, the other day I sat at this really pathetic um, <laughs> conference, or whatever the fuck it was, it was supposed to be like, um, the, this diversity and inclusion thing, and everybody's well-meaning. I think everybody means well. I think, you know, um, I, I don't doubt the intention, but, I, but, I, but, I, but there was a few things that were said in the room and a few people in here were in that room, and uh, it was like, activism is good for business. More than anything, it's good for business. You know, inclusion is really good for business. Look at the bottom line, and this person had a chart, and he was like, look, look at the bottom line. The, the numbers have gone up. We've, we've, uh, we've included black people, and now the numbers have gone up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this bullshit? This is the dumbest. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. And so I got up and I walked out. That was my first time walking out. Me and Bethany talked about work, walking out of shit early. I walk out of stuff all the time. <laughs> this, this, was, this, was the first time, this was the first time that, one, I was included in that conversation. And, but this is, you know, unfortunately, I felt like I had to walk out because it was too many, and it was like, it was just too many people commiserating about things that um, didn't apply to them or, or uh, mislabeling, and it was just, it was just, it just seemed really pathetic, and, it's, and it seemed like, it seems like for some people, it's altruistic because they have black people around them and they have people of color around them, the LGBT communities around them, um, disabled people, whatever, what, all these different, different other types of people around them that, are, that don't fit the original mold, and they feel like they should be included there, like they feel like, hey, I'm friends with Laquan, I want Laquan to be, come to this party with me, I want him to, I want him to, uh, enjoy this thing with me. So you have those altruistic people who are trying to include us, but then you have other people who um, think that activism, inclusion, diversity, and all this shit that we're talking about now is a trend. It's not a trend. 
It's not a trend. It's, 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 it's more, more than anything, it's the right thing to do. Um, I don't understand why an uh, industry that's so influential was so late. I, I, can't, I can't speak to shit that happened before I was born, but I can just say that, uh, um, you know, I'm happy that it's happening. I'm, I question everything, though. I do question, um, I'm cognizant of my, my, my place and what, where I'm being used and how people are placing me in these rooms and why I'm being asked to speak and why, why I'm being asked to talk about race versus my story and all these different things. I'm cognizant of all of that. But, I, but at the same time, I understand that there's a responsibility for me to do it even though it's uncomfortable because I'm going uh, to... It's, it's part of me leaving the door open after me after I leave. Oh, I want to jump on yeah. something. Yeah. I want to say I something to, to everybody. Thank you. Um, to talk about what he mentioned when he mentioned the urban brands. The urban brands was something that came along because they were reflecting its society at the time, the community, which was hip-hop, rap. That infused our garment district at the time in America. It added to the revenue. They were talking to their audience. What I'm impressed with right now, with this young man, this young man, this young man too, is that they're speaking to their audience. So the difference is not so much of what they have to do or where they come from or how it is, it's just the time. It's time for it. So they're reflecting their community. They're talking to their audience. They're not trying to talk to, quote unquote, no disrespect to any publication of Vogue, say, for instance. They're not talking, they're not expressing themselves in that way. They're expressing themselves in a need that they have a call for. And that makes a difference. Now, um, Kirby's... That's huge. I mean, the idea that... uh, You have nothing to say. That's what makes... Both I admire both of you for that, that they truly are talking to their audience. And that's a change in fashion, because I've been doing this forever, 30-some-odd years. And there, there has been where where gender and color was used as advertising. And I was a part of that, right? So that's, and you see that, and that's, that is you know, what you're bringing up, that you use it for the bottom line, but then there's no one in the executive suite that is a person of color or all the genders are represented. And I think that's, the, that's, the, that's a big change that I think all three of our companies are, are doing differently, is that we are speaking directly to an audience that we understand and who we are. But uh, when Beth and, Beth Ann and I were talking last night, I'm d- just curious about the shit that happened before Kirby was born. Yeah. We, were, we were talking about a time when the diversity issue wasn't an issue because it just was. Yeah. It just seemed, oddly enough, that there was a moment in fashion where things were a lot more diverse. And surely you had designers who were of color. They recognized... The media recognized them and said, called them the black designers because it was something that was happening for the first time in an industry. There were people like Scott Barry and John Haggins, Stephen Burroughs, no, before Patrick Kelly. Mm. I'm, the, el- Smith. I'm the elder. Smith. I'm the elder. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Willie Smith, <laughs> Willie Smith. <laughs> Stephen Burroughs, did I say? You know, they cut me off. Um, yeah, then Patrick Kelly came a little after, true that. So there was a time that was the black fashion model was existing. You know, there were, there were girls who were on the runways because then it was the difference between runway and print. So the white girls mostly did print. Very few, a lot of white girls also did, you know, runway, but there were two different divisions. So the, the runway models was a division where they helped support the design 
designers in the industry. So you always saw them, you know, and that's why when we went to Versailles, Versailles, 45 years today, 45 years today, Versailles, Battle of Versailles, you may not know what I'm talking about, but Google. The fact of it is, is that, thank you. And see the movie. And see the, in the movies. Uh, and then HBO is coming up too. But the fact of it is, is right now that you saw that time that the girls went to, to Paris to, to aid the Versailles um, benefit at that time, there were a lot of girls of color, and that would influence um, Givenchy and many of the designers that were there from the French side. So we've had diversity along, but then it disappeared. And why did it disappear? We can blame one house of fashion, and we can also blame some people who came from another country who basically were casting directors. We never had casting directors before. Casting directors changed everything. And that was when, all of a sudden, you didn't see even maybe a Linda Evangelista in a fashion show, because that was too glamorous for a certain designer. But I, I think, um, I mean, that, that, that stayed so strongly with me from experiencing fashion in that time and seeing how it became, I guess, literally whitewashed. But I, I think what's really interesting now when I look at designers like Laquan and Kirby uh, is that there's a, it, it's called, they're called, I've, I've seen them referred to as polymaths, which really interests me, that the, the approach is a multifocal approach, you know, that, that when they're looking at fashion, there's so many other elements included in just the act of design. What I is polymath? It's, it's when you do more than one thing, you know, and you, I think your show, Kirby, for example, was a great, was a great, your last show was a great example of that. The levels that you could approach that, that show from. Oh, um, you mean the, like, was, oh, oh, yeah, oh, like the location, the inspiration, the graphic element, you know, the narrative is so strong and that's really what fashion seems to be so hungry for now. No, that's content. You all are just looking, pardon you all, I don't mean you all, because you know you're my boy. But I, what I'm saying, <laughs> that's just people looking for, you know, content. You're creating because you need to make sense of something. This is just clothing designing and people just being inspired. They're inspired. I mean, I looked at the show of uh, Laquan and I was very happy. I saw his very first show. You know, how old are you now? I just turned 30 in August. Okay. First show was when? What age? Uh, 21. Okay. First show. He goes out there and he's got fancy people there supporting him. I don't even know who the guy is, but I'm sitting there looking. All right. First show. Second show I seen. I didn't see any of his shows until this last season. And it was impressive to me for many different reasons. Because he, was, he too was speaking to his audience. But it was how he used certain things. Like, you know, this one on the Charmeuse slip dress was the, the print of mugshots of women who were, you know, actually in prison. And that right then was very important to me. So we're talking about controversial things and community things and social conscious things, right? In addition to making design. That's what inspires him. He saw that. The things that inspire Kirby is a similar thing to me too. He just, he, he's speaking from a reference. So when Fashion and the editors, they all have to come up with something because they've got something to write. Even I, when I had to come and look at their shows, I had to think of things, how I perceived it. But it's looking for content. To me, it's just making clothes. But it's also speaking to an audience. But it's speaking to people they know. They're leading a charge to me. They're sort of like speaking to an audience that says, yeah, I feel that. It's not meant for everyone to feel, but other people get behind it because it becomes like a moment in time. Laquan, again, we were talking last night, and uh, talking about the way your business is, is growing. Mm -hmm. 
And it seems to be growing very successfully, uh, but you have a great custom audience. But you want to you wanna expand the way designers expand. They expand through wholesale. There are, there are people like Doug Stevens, who, uh, who spoke brilliantly here last year, and I think is here this year as well, who would say that wholesale is not the future, that this notion of personalization is, is the way forward, which you are doing very, very successfully already. Is, 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 is there something about this change, this cusp of change, that isn't just what you're doing, but how you're doing it? Uh, I think so. Um, you know, in my opinion, everything that I have done from the very beginning has been um, unconventional. You know, it hasn't been the proper formula to um, how to be successful in fashion, as, at least from, you know, if, you, if, if a young kid wants to be a designer, what are they going to do? They're going to Google. Google's going to tell you what kind of schools to go to. Um, just the proper steps. Um, and, I, and, I, and I tackled those things, and I did not succeed. Um, so what happens when you're a young kid from Jamaica, Queens, and you don't have um, the money or the resources to go to the fancy schools that you want to go to or to even have the connections to be able to say, you know, I want to I um, manufacture my, my clothing line. Where are you going to get the money from? You know, who's going to really help you? So I think from all of the um, lack of resources that I had, I just did from what's within, you know? I think that my entire... Success has been from a spiritual journey. You know, I believe that, you know, I have a natural gift, a natural talent to um, construct and to create and also to um, make women beautiful, make women look beautiful. Um, and the way that I did that was very unconventional. I um, started out with a custom business, but before I even had a business, I was walking around New York City giving women leggings that I just was inspired by. And so when you, when you would see me in the club or you would see me in New York, it was like, oh, that's the leggings boy. You know what I mean? But I was way more um, advanced and I was way more than just make, creating leggings, but I didn't have the platform or the opportunity to really showcase a full collection. Um, and so with all that being said, it was all of these different hurdles that I had to so, sort of overcome and all of these different things that I had to figure out. How can, I, how can I create a business? How can I really get a business going? How can I get you know, editors and buyers to come and see my collections? Um, and with that being said, everything that I have done has really just been from the ground up. When I talk about self-financing, when I'm talking about models, I, these are my, my friends, my girlfriends. I'm saying, hey, can you do me solid favors? And it's just the organic nature of people genuinely loving what I'm creating that allowed me to become successful, if that makes any sense. Well, I, I can't believe it. We just hit zero there. So I've, I, I've, I have to say one thing. I'm going to ask you a one line. All right, you go, you go first. OK, mine might be too long. You what? OK, let me try. You know, the, okay, so I'll do it real fast. The reason why I wanted to say something, too, about Patrick is because as I speak about them, each one of them speaking to their audience, Patrick, who has the most experience in the industry, which is interesting to me, he's, had, he's done it all like the regular you're in, within the system, quote unquote. And then sometimes you get to a point in your life where whether Kirby or Laquan gets to that point too where there's nobody else listening, nobody's talking to you. You no longer have a business. You no longer have that position that you had at that particular job and you have to start from zero again. And I think what's interesting to me with, with someone like Patrick, that he actually is speaking to an audience too. And the audience is really people, like I asked them, Patrick doesn't have to do a collection every season. 
He's speaking and thank he's... Thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> so the point of it really is, is that he's doing something in a sustainable way, but he's doing it in a way that it speaks to a lifestyle. And that's become really great because it comes from the e-commerce position. And that's interesting. And that's why I find I wanted to be able to speak on that because I think that everyone doesn't need to wear lots of labels anymore. Some people like just basics. And I think that's what I love about what he's done. And I love what Laquan does. And I love what Kirby does, too, because all of them are doing something that speaks to my soul from the 60s and the 70s. Well, because we're coming from, I come to my business from values, just like everyone else is coming. Exactly. We're, we're bringing our values. Mm-hmm. And we bring, you know, my values are, I care about, after running big companies and being creative in big companies, I cared, I looked at Gap, you know, and I never spoke about this, but after leaving Gap, I saw the pollution that we did. I saw the, the I looked around in the executive suite, and I didn't see myself, yeah. right? So when I went and started my business, it was about, I want, I want people of color, I want different genders, I want, I, I have more women work for me than men, it's, but that's, it, I didn't fix it that way, I just wanted a company that has shared my values, and we do things responsibly because I care now. Yeah. So all of that is the same thing that we're all doing. It's, I'm not, we were talking about this earlier, don't label me as a black designer. I'm black, yeah. but I'm also a designer. Yeah. I wanted to ask Kirby and Laquan as well. One last, one last uh, comment. Um, cusp of change. Change is change. It's kind of neutral, neither positive nor negative. How are you feeling about this notion of change? Inspired? <laughs> Kirby? Mm-hmm. Oh. Easy. Easy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him the walk off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, like the, I'm like the live wire, huh? Um, yeah, I... Changes it pertains to what the industry or to like my, American my fashion on the cusp of change, a positive. I think American fashion and, and and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think we're leading um, as far as like change. Uh, you, we're the only ones having these conversations. I'm I'm in Paris. I'm in Milan. I'm in Germany. I'm in Tokyo. I, we're the only ones having this conversation. Well said. And uh, you know. This that's happening here happens uh, every day. No matter how bad that conference was that I went to the other day in New York, um, we're having them. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's an there's an active community of established people and unestablished and unestablished people who are uh, at least trying to speak to each other. And I think um, no matter what you whatever, no matter what the past was with the the old the old guard whether that be like Stephen Cole, Anna Winter, or whatever, I know now that from being in rooms with them that they are actively trying to learn. And that's, that's something that I think is unique to American fashion. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 love, I love and hate my industry, as, uh, but, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any other place than in New York. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs>